question I have for you as we begin is, what are you filled with right now? And we frequently use that image of filling uh, to describe ourselves, maybe our mood or our attitude or our, how we're feeling. We may say, well, I was filled with rage, you know, that person cut me off and I was just filled with rage. Or we might say, um, I'm, I'm just filled with a lot of fear right now, I'm filled with a lot of anxiety. Or we might have something good happen to us and we say, I'm full of joy, I'm just so full of joy. Or we might say, you know, I'm feeling really empty. I'm just, I'm just kind of, that's a feeling of not being full of something. I'm feeling empty and we're not full with something. And that last one, I'm feeling empty, kind of describes how I've been feeling lately, just kind of feeling empty. You know, the COVID-19 has been this big disruption to uh, all of our lives, and we've all felt it in different ways. Maybe some of us have felt it less than others. We've gotten to continue on um, with our lives uh, in um, maybe in ways that uh, were pretty similar. Um, but a major part of my life has been pastoring this church, and for a long time we didn't get to see each other face-to-face. And so that was a big disruption, and I kind of just found myself sitting a lot, a lot, staring at a computer screen, not being able to see people. And now, even as things have opened up, still things are just not quite how they used to be, and so I've been feeling a lot of emptiness. And I've also been filled with a lot of angst, kind of feeling like, well, I can't, we're kind of like stuck, like paused, like we can't do things. And that leads me to feel uh, angry, and probably deep down, it, kind of filled, there's that, that feeling of I'm filled with anger, but then probably deep down that really means I'm filled with fear. Anger is oftentimes this secondary emotion, which is really coming with, uh, I'm filled with fear, and it kind of gets expressed as ang- anger. But then I'm also parenting a two-year-old, so sometimes I'm filled with impatience, or I'm filled with anger that he's just not doing what I want him to do. I just want you to do this, and why aren't you doing that? And I can also be filled with coldness sometimes toward his emotions and, and lacking empathy like he's freaking out about something and I'm like why aren't you why are you freaking out about that and so I'm filled with coldness instead of being filled with warmth towards what he's feeling and so what are you filled with right now are you filled with fear anxiety or worry and about what are you filled with fear anxiety and worry and what are you filled with those things about are you filled with anger or bitterness or resentment and about what Are you filled with guilt and shame? About what? Are you filled with apathy and disinterest? And about what? What are you apathetic and disinterested in? And we often can look at ourselves and say, I'm filled with a lot of things that I shouldn't be filled with. How do I get those things out of me? Or we think, I don't really feel like I'm filled with anything. It's just like there's kind of like nothing in there and there should be something in there. And sometimes when we think about what's inside of us, it's like, it just kind of feels like I'm filled with a lot of broken stuff, like, there's stuff that needs to be fixed inside of me, why does everything in me kind of just feel wrong, I'm filled with like a bunch of stuff that needs to be fixed. We finished that, the series we were doing, Examples According to James, Examples of Faith According to James, and right before Katie and I went on vacation, and I wasn't sure where we should go after that, and coming back from vacation this week, I felt like, uh, I was like, okay, where do we go next? And I felt like, well, I really need to kind of connect with everybody and be able to see everybody um, before I would know what to do next. Because it's like, well, how do I know what we need as a church um, 
I can't plan what we should do in terms of teaching if, unless I know where everybody's kind of at. Uh, so I wanted to have some time to be able to reconnect with everyone to know where we should go in terms of um, sermons. And in the past two weeks, you've heard Brian and Bob share some scripture passages that have had an impact in their lives. And so this week I decided, you know what, I'm going to preach on a passage that has had an impact in my life. Um, so today is kind of part sermon, part uh, testimony. And the scripture passage I read, Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verses 14 through 19, is a passage I became fascinated with uh, pro- about 10 years ago uh, while I was working with Crew or Campus Crusade for Christ, discipling college students at UW-Stevens Point. And to me, it seemed when I read this prayer, I was like, man, this would be like one of the most powerful prayers for someone to memorize and to pray in their life, for some to teach somebody, if you would pray this, this would change your life. And so it just fascinated me, and I thought to myself, uh, man, if, I, if there's something I would teach college students, this would be something to teach them. And it was kind of this dream I had. And then when I went to seminary I, and started learning Greek, uh, the original language in the, which the New Testament was written, it was like, oh, I quickly turned my attention after I started getting into it and being able to learn you know, the, the words and how sentences were formed. That was one of the first places I went to, like, oh, I'm going to go look at this prayer and really get kind of dive deeper into it and how it's structured, look at it at a deeper level. And over the years, I've prayed this prayer countless times for myself and prayed it for others. And oftentimes when I uh, do, I try to pray for each person in our church once a week and I'll, one of the things I'll do is pray through prayers that are in the Bible. You know, you can see Paul praying for people or Jesus praying for people. And oftentimes I'll use prayers from the Bible and this is one of the ones I'll use. I'll pray it for each of you. And this morning I went through and prayed it for each of you uh, before we met today. And last summer I prayed this prayer, I preached this prayer as part of our Holy Spirit sermon series. And last fall I, I, pa- I started doing this thing where I try to pause in the middle of the day and just pray it um, for myself and when I'm or when I'm feeling um, when I'm going into a situation it's like man I'm just not filled with the right things about this situation or about this person I'll try to pray this prayer um, for me and I don't do it every day you know pray this stop and pray this prayer every day but I try to and it's been this practice of trying to pray it every day just pause in the middle of the day and okay God these are the things I need um, that's been that practice has brought the most fruit and so today I want to walk through this prayer it was kind of part sermon, part testimony. And the prayers in the Bible are some of the best for us um, to pray uh, for other people, to pray for ourselves, because they're Holy Spirit-inspired um, prayers. It's like, what is, how does God want to be talked to? What does he want us to ask from him? It's like, oh, he gave, through the Holy Spirit, gave us these prayers of, oh, this is what he wants to give us. These are the things he wants to be asked for. So these are some of the best ways for us um, to relate to them. But it's not like, you know, this magic formula of like, if you just take 10 seconds each day and pray this, God will magically give it to you. But it's like, no, this is how we're supposed to relate to him. This is the kind of relationship he wants. It's like, this is what is um, in his heart that he wants to give to us. And so this is how we can relate to him. It's a window into the relationship we can have with God all of the time. And so let's just start looking at the prayer um, we'll have to go quickly because this is a, um, there's a lot we, that I wish we could say um, and talk through, but we'll start looking at it uh, piece by piece. And so pa- the first thing Paul says in verse 14, he says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father 
and we have to ask, oh, okay, for what reason? For what reason are you bowing your knees before the Father? And he's just gotten done saying a whole bunch of stuff in chapters 1 through 3, and he's been describing to them how dramatically and how radically their relationship with God has changed. And he's often, he's, the big thing he said is like, before you had this life where you had no hope, you're totally separated from God, you were dead in your sins and trespasses, but now God has done this radical thing where you've been shown grace, you've been shown love, now you once were not God's people, but now you are God's people, once you were totally separated from God, but now you've been brought near through Christ, once you um, were not citizens of his kingdom, and now you are, and once you were not part of God's family, but now you are, and now you've been made his temple, you have access to God, and so it's like, he's telling him, you, your life was like this, and he just describes it in totally stark terms, and now it is this, and then he says, okay, since it's you've had this complete transformation for this reason now i'm going to pray because your relationship with god has been radically and totally changed now i'm going to pray this prayer and for each of us that have put our faith in christ it's like okay now we can pray this prayer because our relationship with god has been totally changed and transformed because we have this before and after story and um and then the next thing he says is because we have that story he prays this prayer what does he say who's he praying to the wind is doing a number on my... I'm going to put something here so this thing isn't... Ah, boom. Next thing he says is he's, uh, he's praying, he's bowing his knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. And so, uh, what's he saying there? Uh, we can't you know, kind of nitpick it apart, but he's saying, like, God is everything and everyone owes their existence God. He's the creator of everything. Not just their existence, but their identity. Everybody gets he names everything and everyone. Um, and everything gets their significance, their you know, what our why for our existence and our just our very being comes from God. And so it, you can take from this um, that God is the creator and ruler. So who's the one we're praying to? It's like whatever you're asking from him because he's the creator he's the you know the lord of the universe he's able to do what we're asking so you're praying to somebody who's able to do whatever you're asking but then in the next line he says verse 16 i'm praying to this father that according to the riches of his glory it's not so according to the riches of his glory it's kind of like uh what are the riches of his glory his glory is um like the kind of the total of who he is the who is this God? Well, we know already from what Paul's been saying. He's kind, he's gracious, he's loving, he's generous. And so it's like, according to all of that, what's true about him, would you grant this request? And so it's not only that he's able to do what they're asking, but he's willing. And so, so often when we approach God, we think that, um, well, we think it's one or the other. Well, God, um, I know you're able to do this but I don't really think you're willing to do it. Or we approach him and we think, well, I know you're nice and willing, but I don't really know if you're able to help me. Like, this problem is just kind of too big. Like, I know you love me, but this is just too big for you. Or we say, God, I know you're powerful, but I don't think you really care about these problems. But Paul is saying, I'm talking to the God of the universe who wants to be involved in your life. That's already been proven because you have this crazy before and after story. And he's both able to work in your life and he's totally willing to work in your life. 
which he's already proven because of what he's already done. And so, moving on, he says, that he, what does he ask him to do? In verse 16, he says, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So his first request, if I was to sum it up, he's praying for Christ's life to grow in them. He's praying for Christ's life to grow in them. And I always have this picture here, you know, what does a strengthened word mean? We can we kind of think of maybe like weightlifting or like being strong muscularly, but this strengthened word, if you, you have, there's two, four times it's used in the New Testament. And two of the times it's used are um, talking about Jesus when he's a kid. If you go look in the first two chapters of Luke, um, it says, it's talking about Jesus when he's a kid, and it says, and the child grew and became strong. It's like this maturing word, it's this developing word, like Jesus is growing up as a kid and he's growing up and becoming strong. And so this is a prayer um, about development, about growing up and becoming strong. Paul's praying for these believers to become strong, to grow up, to mature, and to develop in their inner being, in their inside, you know, their, their heart, in their spirits, that they would become, grow up from the inside out, that they would be transformed inside. And these two phrases, you know, are in parallel. What's saying that uh, they would be strengthened in their inner being through power is the same as Christ dwelling in their hearts through faith. It's Christ. And when you move into a house, I mean, a lot of us um, own homes. And when we first moved into our house, um, it looked totally different. We're not very good at taking before and after shots, but you can kind of still get pictures online, you know, like Zillow. Sometimes we go back and we'll like look at the pictures from when the previous owners posted it and we can like remind ourselves like wow this is what this house looked like before we moved in and it's like our influence has taken over the house and we lived in and that's what this prayer is about is that Christ living in us his influence takes over the house but there's also uh, requires this faith part to it he's saying that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that Christ dwelling in us, that his influence, it doesn't happen unless we give that, say yes to him. It's like we have this, um, like a remodeler has like moved into your house and he's like sitting there at the table and he's like, I want to remodel this thing. Like, let's do this. And he's just waiting for us to sit at the table and say, yes, I want to do it. Let's do this. Yes, Jesus, let's remodel. Let's redecorate. You know, if you want to think of him as an interior designer, if that helps you more. It's like you have this, like, remodeler, this, like, interior designer that's like, I want to make the inside of your house, you know, your life just beautiful. I just want to redo this whole thing um, so that it looks pleasing to God, so it looks pleasing to me, so that it looks way better than it is now. Like, and I just want you to trust me and say yes to me and surrender to me. And he's waiting there. And Christ is the remodeler. He's present in us by the Spirit, and wants it. And faith is how we let Him do the project. Faith is our openness to letting Jesus do what He wants inside of us, to letting us make Him into who He wants us to be. And the Spirit is the one who opens our hearts to Him, um, who make, helps us be receptive to Him. Otherwise, we have hearts of stone. And Paul, so Paul's prayer here is that they would let Christ build His character in them. It's like this building project. Would you? Uh, he's praying. Uh, that to God, like, would you give 
them the faith to let Christ build his character in them. And so for me, I often feel like in my day-to-day life that I am just so far from who God wants me to be as a husband, as a father, as a pastor. And when I look inside myself, I'm not always who I should be when I look inside myself. You know, there's the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, self-control. And frequently I'm filled with the opposite of those things. When I am encountering people or I'm needing to um, meet with people as part of being a pastor or being a parent or loving as a husband, like I'm frequently filled with attributes and attitudes and feelings that are not supposed to be there. I'm filled with things that are not there, supposed to be there that are far from honoring to God. And so I can just feel like I'm just filled with things that aren't supposed to be there and I'm so far away from who God wants me to be. Like, how am I going to do this? You know, it's like walking to a house that's just like, this is just a total remodel. This is just a, you know, like a fixer-upper. It's going to take me years to get to where God wants me to be. I have so far to go. And how this passage gives me hope is that, and how God has met me with strength and what he promises here is that it tells me that the Spirit is inside me and Christ is inside me to strengthen my inner being and so that the attributes and the attitudes and the affections of Christ are never far from being my own. That Christ is in me and he's the one, it's like I'm a total fixer-upper, but Christ is inside of me to make his attributes mine, to make his attitudes mine, to make his affections mine. It's like, I'm not feeling towards, I'm not feeling love towards this person, but Jesus is a good shepherd. I'm not feeling like I'm a good shepherd, but Jesus is a good shepherd and he loves this person. Jesus, would you make your affections mine? Would you give me the affections you have for this person? And I'm not feeling, you know, all those things I'm supposed to, I'm not feeling good, I'm not feeling patient. I'm not feeling loving. Would you make your attributes mine? Would you bring those to the surface? Would you do that transformation in me? I'm not having a good attitude in this situation. Would you build your attitude in me? Would you bring those to the surface? And so I often just feel like I'm, and I'll, I'll sometimes pray like, um, Spirit, would you let, would you uh, help me to let Christ decorate the interior of me, thinking about like letting him decorate. Like I just feel like there's just a mess in here. So would you just decorate my inside? Christ, would you decorate the inside of my, my life so that what's coming out of me is Jesus and not all the things that I feel inside of me that shouldn't be here? So that's the first part. Um, I want to feel like Jesus does toward other people. I want others to see Jesus' attitudes coming out of me. I want people to see Jesus' attributes in me. So whenever I feel far from being like Jesus, and it's like, this is, gonna, this is just a long way to go. It's like, no. Jesus is in me, Christ is in me, so that means his character is not far from being mine because that's what is in me. I just need to surrender and trust him to uh, bring it out. So the second prayer he gives, the first one uh, is praying um, for Christ's life to grow in us. The second is praying to know Christ's love for us. So he says this in the next, it's in the second part of verse 17. He says that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, 
that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so the first thing he says there is you being rooted and grounded in love. This is talking about our relationship with God, that it's a relationship that's, first of all, rooted and grounded in love, that our relationship with God is, you know, rooting is like a plant word, so it's grounded. And then the, uh, the second one uh, is talking about, it's like a architectural word, that it's um, grounded, so it's rooted and it's grounded, it's like established, so there's a foundation, so it's grounded and it's founded on God's love for us. That's what we are rooted in. That's what we're standing on. That's its basis. It's it's solid. It's not based on our actions, our deeds, or our love for Him. And we read earlier that uh, in the, at the beginning of the service, in love, He predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. It's a love we didn't earn. It's a love we don't deserve. It's a love that God chose to give us before we were even created, before the foundation of the world. It's a love that God chose to give us. And we, as First John tells us, we love Him and we love others because He first loved us. And God has already said yes to loving us. And the question is, will we say yes to just receiving that love? And so first, it's a, found, it's a, lo- it's a relationship that is uh, grounded and founded on the love that He has given, that He wants to give, has already given to us. And in the second part, He says uh, that it's being rooted and grounded in love strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. Um, and then other translations uh, complete that with uh, of Christ's love. And so you just imagine kind of like a box. There's like a, there's like a height to it. There's a width to it. There's a breadth to it. And there's a depth to it. So it's kind of like all these dimensions kind of drawing it out. And just telling us, what, can, can we just please, he's praying, would you grasp the dimensions of Christ's love for you? Just saying like, there's just, uh, so it's kind of like you're standing on it. There's like a, a grounding to it. There's a foundation to it. And he's like, also, now if you just imagine going from the bottom up, it's like also, would you, could you grasp the height and the, you know, the width and the breadth and like the depth of it? And he's just like, you know, imagining like you're just kind of in this box. And earlier he talks about being this temple. You imagine this here, like you have Christ dwelling in you. And now you've got this foundation. And now he's like, almost like building, like we are this temple as the God's people. It's like there's this, we're just kind of like surrounded and closed in and hugged by this love of God. And then he says, he goes on and he prays, uh, verse 19, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And so there's this know Christ's love which surpasses knowledge. So no matter how much you know of it, you've never hit the end of knowing it. It's like you, it's like one of those. You know, infinity pools or something you know that you can swim in and it's just like all I don't know how they work exactly but there's kind of like a current and you're just swimming in it and you're just or like a treadmill or something although treadmills it's kind of like torture it feels like but infinity pool feels a little nicer it's just like you're swimming in it and it's just like you're never going to hit the end of it it's like you're just swimming in God's maybe a lazy lazy river feels better because lazy rivers kind of never end um yeah that feels better yeah, pretty cool. That kind of sounds like torture too. Lazy River. It's like Lazy River never ends. You're just going around it. And it's like you're never going to hit the end of this this thing. You you can't find a ruler long enough to measure his love for you. It's like every time you measure it, it's like you haven't hit the end of it. It's just an infinite. You can't find a scale big enough to weigh, weigh his love for you. You can't find a container large enough 
to hold his love for you. Anytime you think you've hit the end of it, it's like, okay, I've just done the worst thing. It's like, no, you haven't hit the end of it. It's like, okay, uh, God, my heart is so full of feeling your love for me. It's like, you haven't even gotten close to feeling my love for you. It's like, God, I'm just so, it's just so amazing how much you love me. It's like, you haven't even hit the tip of the iceberg yet. It's like, we will never, ever, like, he's praying that they would know this love that you surpasses knowledge. You can't, we'll never even hit it. What does he say will be the result of that? He says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You know, whatever we're filled with is going to characterize what we look like on the outside. And so if we're filled with God, the fullness of God, we're going to look like God on the outside. We're filled with Christ, which we're going to look like on the outside. If Christ is the one building us on the inside, we look like Christ on the outside. And when I step into any situation, what's the most important thing for us to know? We might prepare for lots of things in various different ways. Anything we face in life, we might be like, I need to know all these things. I need to prepare in all these different ways. But what's the most important thing for us to know to honor God? It's that we would know how much he loves us. I just uh, have this image of, you know, this is, we, what are we filled with? And we might feel like, man, I'm just filled with all kinds of things. Like, I'm kind of selfish, so that's in me. And I have a lot of fear, so that's in me. And I'm kind of harsh to people, sometimes that's me. Or I feel judgmental, that's in me. And maybe I have a lot of worry and anxiety. and Or we feel that we're uh, just not focused on God very much. And I can't wake up to read my Bible, I don't feel like doing that. Or we just have all these things that we're filled with and we're not having a hard time being patient with our kids or with neighbors or other family and we have just whatever else it is. We have all these things or bitterness and anger. People hurt us. We have a hard time letting go. We have all this stuff that we're filled with, whatever it is. And it's like, okay, I have all this stuff I'm filled with and all that's just rumbling around in me. And it's like, what am I going to do with it? And this is kind of what we do. We're like, well, I just feel overwhelmed because this is what we feel like. Got this little tweezers. I just got to slowly tweeze this out. Well, I just got to start working on it. Okay, this week I'm working on being harsh with my kids. Got that out. But then it's like, oh, dang it. I came back. <laughs> now I got to just tweeze, tweeze it out again. Oh, I did pretty good this week. Maybe I'll try to read my Bible. Ooh, I'm on a streak. This week, maybe I'll try to be really good at, I don't know, sharing my faith or something. And then it's like, oh, but now i got a big project to work. I'm super stressed. But that also added another bubble. So we just try to tweeze all these things out of our life. And we're filled with all this stuff. But what Paul's saying here is he's praying, I just want you to know how much God loves you. Like this love that you're never going to hit the edge of. And the way, to, and then you'll be filled with all the fullness of God. You're going to, instead of being filled with all that stuff, you're going to be filled with all the fullness of God. And so the way to get all that stuff out of us is to actually just fill ourselves with something superior. What's the easiest way to get all this stuff out? If I fill myself with all the fullness of God, hopefully this actually works, all those things, they all come out. Yeah, boom. Well, hopefully they all come out. 
you, you get the picture. They would come out eventually if I did it better. So those things all, all come out, you know, there we go, we helped it. So those, if we fill ourselves with something else, something superior to all those things, the other stuff comes out. And he says the key is, if I would know, instead of tweezing all those things out one by one, he says, no, let's just go to the source of something that could actually be more powerful than all those things. And we fill, let's look at how much God loves us. And that would fill me with the fullness of God. And so again, what are you filled with right now? In order to be filled with something else, we need to let something else influence us. Paul's saying we need to let Christ in us build all those broken things. Let him fix those broken things. We need to let Christ's love influence us to fill us with the love of God. We, what's, what's powerful enough to make us walk worthy of God? It's only God himself. Only the one who called us to himself. And his love and Jesus' power in us. We let things besides God um, influence us. You know, kids and COVID-19 and work and how other people treat us and whatever else. Let those things fill us. And they, they fill us with fear and anxiety and anger and patience. And we're like, we, we're like a sponge. You know, we just, we're just like, we just receive stuff. And a dry sponge is just going to let everything around us, all the events and circumstances and people, we just like absorb stuff. And it's kind of another illustration. Of like, But we just need to be filled with God so that all those other things, we're actually influencing all those other things. If this is, I used all my water. You get the picture. If a, if a sponge is dry, everything else influences it and fills it up. Our circumstances, people around us. But if a sponge is filled up, then the sponge, you know, by something else, now the sponge influences what's around it with what it's filled up by. And so we need to let, instead of letting everything else fill us up, let God fill us up so we actually become God's temple influencing things. And we think, I can't handle all this stuff happening around me. Yeah, but there's someone inside of us who can. Jesus is inside of us. His attributes, attitudes affections can be at our, are at our disposal. And so the two things, two prayers we can take are, you know, ask Christ to build his character in you. Let Christ build his character in you to the Spirit. You know, say, you know, yes to him. Yes, Jesus, let's do this. Jesus, let's do this. You know, it's a, it's a let's. It's a, you know, let us. You know, saying to Jesus, let's do this because there's a part for us. It's faith. You know, we don't just say, like, okay, I'm going to lay on my couch. All right, Jesus, just do it. Because it's like, well, it's his attributes and attitudes and affections that come out in our actions. So it's now like Jesus' life lived through us. And if you read the Gospels, Jesus had a very active life. Um, so now he's going to have you act in new ways. And so it's, all right, Jesus, let's do this. I'm going to live how you call me to live. And then, you know, secondly, let yourself be wowed by how much Christ loves you. Let yourself be astonished. Let yourself be amazed. Ask Christ to wow you with his love for you. And how much would that change your life? And so the two things as a just uh, as a maybe to consider as a to do, start doing your life is try to pray this prayer. Um, you can take it and pray it. Maybe try to pause once a day and just pray it for yourself and pray it for somebody else. Paul's praying it for other people. 
He's praying that people would have, that God would grant them the faith to let Jesus change their life. And he's praying that they would know Christ's love for them. So that's a powerful prayer you can pray for other people. And you can pray it for yourself when you're going into situations where you're like, I just said, do not have the right attitude, the right feelings in this situation. Pray for yourself and pray for other people. It's a powerful prayer. And try to think of once a day where you can just pause, you know, maybe it's after your lunch or during your lunch or before you wake up or when you go to bed. Or in, and if you put it in your you know, phone as a reminder, like once a day, uh, maybe then you'll not get it every day, but at least you'll get it once a week. And that's way better than nothing. So that's my encouragement to you. Let's pray. Father, would you grant us faith to let Christ make us into the people you want us to be? Would you help us to grasp the vast dimensions of Christ's love for us? Thank you.